I can't believe that this is already the fourth and final Sunday that I will be with you this morning. This, uh, this four weeks came and went very quickly. Um, I have really enjoyed my time here. I have uh, enjoyed getting to know some of you. And as I mentioned at a previous Sunday, I truly appreciate your hospitality. I think there are a number of hospitality bandits among you. Um, I had to turn down invitations because I was only going to be here for four Sundays, if you can believe that. Uh, and, and I believe in your midst there are also some repeat offenders. I found that out last Sunday when I was invited to the home of Thelma and Herman for uh, coffee and a light lunch after the service. I went to the fellowship hall and had the Sunday, and then I followed them to their home. And as they pulled into their driveway, I thought, well, the best place for me to park is across the street. So I went to park across the street, and suddenly deja vu started to come across me, like I'd been through this before. But I thought, oh, I'm imagining something. So I went into their home, and I recognized the layout of the home. And as they shared a little bit about their story and how the two of them met, I thought, I've heard this story before. And, And they thought that maybe they remembered me too from the past. When I went home last Sunday, I pulled out my records and I found, that, found out that, yes, sure enough, two years ago, in June of 2017, I came here and preached, and I went to the home of Herman and Thelma's afterwards. <laughs> and I believe I parked on the far side of the road in the exact same place. So um, I commend you on your amazing work of hospitality and encourage you to uh, keep it up. And uh, thank you for having me here. It's been uh, a real pleasure. This morning we're looking at Jonah chapter 4, the fourth and final chapter of the book of Jonah. I will read it in its entirety. It's on page 1439 in your pew Bibles. Jonah chapter 4. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He waited to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that?
great city. If the book of Jonah had concluded after the third chapter, it would have made the perfect Hollywood movie. You see, at the end of chapter 3, it seemed like everything was fine. All tension was resolved. All problems were taken care of. Everything was fixed. Jonah, despite his disobedience, gained a second chance, was freed from the great fish and was given the opportunity to be obedient and go to Nineveh. The sailors who had the unfortunate privilege of meeting Jonah, who got caught up in the storm that was caused by his disobedience, were freed from their danger. In fact, they were introduced to the God of the heavens and the earth and were able to repent and make vows of their own. The Ninevites, because of Jonah's eventual obedience, were warned of the impending disaster. And because they repented, God relented of the calamity, and they were saved. So at the end of chapter 3, it could have said, and they all lived happily ever after. But there's a fourth chapter of the book of Jonah, a very important chapter, a chapter that gets to the heart of the matter. Because there was one more issue that needed to be resolved And that's Jonah's heart. Jonah's heart needed fixing. We don't hear about that. We don't understand the complete context of the story until we get to chapter 4. Jonah was very upset. That's what we learn about in chapter 4. He was angry and upset. And his upset needed to be tended to. Jonah's heart was in the wrong place. Jonah was angry and bitter over God's love and compassion. How can that be? How is it possible to be angry and bitter over love and compassion? Well, it is possible. And I learned that at a very young age. I had an experience when I was a child as I neared my, as I uh, became close to my ninth birthday, my parents announced to me that they were going to give me, for my birthday, a 10-speed bike. I was thrilled because I was informing them of that for weeks prior to that, that that's what I wanted for my birthday, and they told me that that's what they were going to get for my birthday. I was particularly excited because I was going to be the first one in my whole family to own a 10-speed bike. My mom and dad at the time didn't have 10-speed bikes. My dad didn't have a bicycle at all. My mother had an old person's bike. That's what I thought as an 8-year-old. You know, she was in her 30s, so she she had this bike that a 30-year-old would would ride around in. My younger brother and my younger sister didn't have 10-speed bikes because they were just about 4 and 6 years of age. Not even my older brother, who was 2.5 years older than me, he rode around in a 3-speed bike. I was so excited to be promised a 10-speed bike on my birthday. I was particularly concerned, so I asked my parents, you're not going to give my older brother Andrew a 10-speed bike at the same time, are you? They assured me, no, no. They might get him one for Christmas, 
But because my birthday fell before Christmas, I was going to be the first one in my family to own a 10-speed bike. And then it happened. The incident in my life where I was able to say, it would be better for me to die than to live. About three weeks before my birthday, my Aunt Edith, whom we lovingly called Aunt Dee Dee, gave my older brother a 10-speed bicycle. <laughs> I was furious. Yes, I got my 10-speed bicycle. It didn't affect me, but I was angry that I wasn't the first in my family to get one, and it's hard enough to be the second oldest child in the family. My dad tried to comfort me and say, look, you know, Aunt Dee Dee can give anybody a bike that she wants to. It's her money. She can do whatever she wants. It didn't really calm me down. He said, he, she could give a, a, a bicycle to, she could give a 10-speed bicycle to the milkman, and, and that was what she's free to do. And it didn't help me at all, partly because I didn't know what a milkman was. <laughs> but I was angry and bitter because of my aunt's love and compassion, even though it didn't affect me. And we realized that in the book of Jonah, how many acts there are of love and compassion on behalf of God. The book of Jonah is not about a great fish. In fact, it's not even about Jonah, despite the name of the book. The book of Jonah tells us of God's great acts of love. His great act of love toward Jonah, despite his disobedience and being the worst prophet in the history of humankind, the worst missionary ever. God forgave him and gave him a second chance. The sailors, despite being ungodly people worshipping false gods, who many of whom were probably fleeing some event in their own lives, were able to be rescued from the storm and come to know the God of heaven and earth and make vows to him. And the Ninevites, despite their wickedness and God's promise to bring calamity, were given new hope. They repented, and God relented, and there would be no destruction. Jonah needed salvation. Yes, he needed salvation from the fish and from his disobedience, but even more than that, he needed salvation from his heart. Mere obedience is not enough. You and I can go through our weeks doing the right thing out of obedience. We can attend church. We can read scripture. We can give money to the poor. We can, we can pray to God before meals. and We can talk to other people. But if we do all of these things out of a hardened heart, if our heart's not in the right place, we're just merely going about actions. So God needed to speak to Jonah's heart. Jonah's plight, in all that he went through, mirrored the plight of the ancient Israelites. The ancient Israelites, because of their disobedience, were carted off to Babylon and sent into captivity. Their time in captivity, because of their disobedience, was very similar to Jonah's plight in the great fish because of his disobedience. And after a time, 
When their sins had been paid for, the Israelites were released from captivity and allowed to go back to their own land and given freedom. Very similar to Jonah being spit out into dry land, being forgiven and given another chance. But God's word to the Israelites after captivity was, just because you are free, just because you have come to a place of obedience and you are doing the right thing, does not mean that all is well. Your hearts need to be in the right place. In many ways, the Israelites, after their captivity in Babylon, were still affected by their time there. Were still affected by Babylon. They brought some of the Babylonian gods with them, thinking that they could serve God and the Babylonian gods. Their hearts weren't in the right place, and God called them on it. And the book of Jonah shows us the message that God had for the ancient Israelites, but also a message for us, that our hearts need to be in the right place, that mere obedience for obedience' sake is not a true and correct relationship with God. God demonstrated to Jonah in very tangible form the love that he has for his creation. Jonah, with a bitter heart, went out to the east side of the city and said, I may as well die because this destruction that I've preached about is not going to happen. God said, why are you so angry? Do you have a right to be angry? God is a compassionate God. God shows love because that's who he is. And so a plant grew up over Jonah, as we read, and it gave him comfort. And then a worm came and took away the plant, and Jonah was again in discomfort. And as we read, God said to him, if you care about this plant, that you didn't take care of, that you didn't bring it into being, that was only there for less than a day, if you care about that plant, how much more don't I care for my creation? How much more don't I care for the people of Nineveh? And he was very specific. He said 120,000 who don't know their left hand from their right, implying children. 120,000 children in Nineveh, creations of God, those loved of God, and animals. It's absolutely shocking that term animals is used. You don't end a book talking about animals. Even Shakespeare, the great playwright, always ended every one of his plays with the words of the most prominent person still alive. They would stand center stage and give the final words of the play. And here in the book of Jonah, the term animals is used. The book ends with animals showing that God's love for his creation is not just for people, but for animals, for plants, for planets, for constellations, for everything that God has made. We know what it's like to make something and care about it because it's ours. 
I learned that as a teenager when I attended summer camp one summer. As part of my work as a counselor, I did art projects with some of the campers. And I decided to do one project that would last me much of the summer. I made a plaque and wood burned it. I went to the wood heap and found an old board that was from, a, from an old barn. And I cut it to the right shape and I spent a lot of time sanding it so that it was perfectly smooth. You could see the wood grain. And I wrote a Bible verse out on this plaque. Then I spent hours wood burning the Bible verse into the plaque. When it was done, I showed it to people and people were in awe over it, how great it looked. The people in charge of the art building asked that I display that in the art building as something that kids could do if that's what they wanted to do with their time in, in art class. I cared about that because I put so much into it. And that's nothing to say of how much love I have for my 21-year-old son who I helped bring into this world and raise. How much more doesn't God love all that he has made? All of it. God's love for his creation is deep and broad. As we come to the end of the book of Jonah, is all the tension resolved? Is everything complete? Is everything tied up in a nice package for a Hollywood movie? No, it's not. We still don't hear of Jonah's final resolution. Did he accept what God told to him about his bitterness and anger? We don't know. It doesn't say. It leads us to wonder that where Jonah went at the end of the book. Did he have a turnaround like he did in the great fish and come to the realization that he needed to do the right thing? Or did he walk away bitter and angry? It's not resolved. We don't know. But that open-ended question lies before us and asks us, where are we with our commitment to God? Are we going through obedience because our parents did and our grandparents did and it's the right thing to do and other people might be watching us? Or do we know the Lord of the universe? And have we made a personal commitment to him? Is it he that we serve with our time and our energy and our lives? We are blessed to have the opportunity to serve the Lord of creation. The God of gods has reached down to us and given to us and called us and shared with us all of the blessings including the blessing of Jesus Christ. We can be thankful for that. We can be eternally grateful and live our lives to him, pouring out all that we are and all that we have to he who created us and who loves us with a complete and full and abiding love. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that at all times and in every way you love us and you want what's best for us. Help us to trust you. Help us to pour out our lives in love to you. To mirror the love that you show in scripture and the love that you show us in very tangible ways throughout the week. 
Thank you for our relationship with you. Thank you for calling us to be yours, and thank you for forgiving our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.